Before I forget, let me just say that, you know, this past week was Thanksgiving for many people around the world. And so before I forget, as always, we do have lunch for everybody uh, as you leave today's church service and you go home. There's a special lunch uh, that are out in boxes there. So I hope we have enough for everyone. We should. Uh, but please, before you go home, please grab something for yourself and for your family as well. And with that, happy Thanksgiving uh, to, to all of you here today. Also, just by way of announcement, this coming December is next week. Already, we are in December 2021. And with that, we'll be celebrating Christmas. Our Christmas service will officially be on December 19th. We'll hold a normal 11 o'clock service for that day, but we'll have some special things going on for the Christmas celebration, December 19th. And with that also, the month of December being the month of Christmas, we're going to have a special theme for the sermons that would be preached, not just on Christmas, but throughout December. And the theme for our Christmas holiday, December, is from eternity to eternity. That's the theme of December, and so please join us this coming month and uh, celebrate with us as we celebrate the Lord's coming into our world to give his life for us. Amen. Amen. So it's good to see all of you here with us uh, today. If you have your Bibles with you, before we get into a new series for the month of December, we're going to end the series called Family Matters today. We've been discussing this for all of November. We've been looking at families in the Bible, from the Old Testament especially. We've learned from them. We've learned what to do and also what not to do in life. Uh, and today we're going to end by looking at a certain family in the New Testament, a family who was changed because of Jesus, as he still does today. Today's sermon is titled, Little Girl, Arise. And this comes from Mark chapter 5. So if you'll turn to Mark's gospel, chapter 5. Now Mark, even though he wrote a gospel, you know that Mark was not one of the disciples of Jesus. It is believed that Mark's gospel was actually written as Peter was testifying to Mark. Now Mark in the Bible was a, a man of God. He knew all the apostles. He was a relative of Barnabas in the book of Acts. He went on journeys with Paul and with Barnabas and Silas. Later on in Paul's life, this man Mark became so important to Paul and to his life and ministry. And we also know that Mark had a very special bond with Peter. In the Bible, Peter calls Mark my son. And that either means that it was Peter that led Mark to Jesus Christ, or else it meant that Mark was such a wonderful assistant to, to Peter that he called him his son. And it is well established that the, is the testimony of Peter being spoken to Mark and Mark writing down this gospel as he heard it from Peter. Keep that in mind because it'll come up a little bit later in the sermon. But anyway, Mark's gospel, chapter 5. Today I'm going to begin reading at verse 21. And I'm not going to read the whole story just yet, and it's for a purpose, but we will go over the whole story in today's sermon. Mark chapter 5. Verse 21, and when you find it, would you please stand with me in honor of God's word? Let's begin at verse 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, 
And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians, she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? We're going to stop there. You may be seated. I want to stop there because I want you, if you can, to feel, to imagine the despair of Jairus, who was just told, your daughter is dead. Imagine what it would be like to be Jairus right now. And of course, later on, we will finish the story and see what the Lord will do. So in this sermon titled, Little Girl, Arise, Mark begins by telling us in verse 21 that Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side and a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. Jesus just left the area of Decapolis, the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And it was there that he just healed a man possessed by more than 2,000 demons. And after that great casting out and the great miracle and the man was now like normal and in his right mind, all the multitude of people in Decapolis, they were so afraid of what just happened. And they said, Jesus, go, get out of our city. And so Mark says he got into a boat and came now to the other side of the lake, probably in Capernaum. And here he finds a multitude of people ready to receive him because they are in such great need of him. One multitude rejects Jesus the other one receives him. Jesus does not stay where he is unwanted, but he always goes to where he's needed. And this multitude of people are in great need. Some ask questions, some are hungry, some need healing, some need absolute miracles, and they believe only Jesus can do this. You know, on the boat in that lake, the Sea of Galilee, just recently in the Gospel of Mark, just recently, Jesus just spoke into a storm and calmed the storm. The winds obeyed him. The, the waters obeyed him. And when the disciples saw that, they said, what kind of a man is this? Who can this be 
that even the winds obey him. And Jesus would show them, not only does he have power over nature, he would show them he has power over the demons, and he has power over disease in our story, and he also has power over death itself, which we will also see in our story. And along with that, the disciples will witness the great love Jesus has for people, for men, women, and children, and the great love Jesus has for families. In today's sermon, as we go over this story together, and again, we are going to finish the whole story, but as we go through it together, I want to bring our attention to four sections of this story today, and we'll stop at each section and discuss it a little bit. Number one, we'll talk about overwhelmed. Number two, overshadowed. Number three, overruled. Number four, overcome. Amen. So let's begin with the first section of this story, which we will call overwhelmed. Let's look again at these opening verses. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come, lay your hands upon her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude, of course, followed with Jesus, and they thronged him. Meaning they were so crowded around Jesus, everybody was trying to push through, pull on him, touch him. He was surrounded by a multitude of people. So we begin with overwhelmed. Jairus. We know his name, Jairus. And we also know a little bit more about him. It says that he was a ruler of the synagogue. Do you know a ruler of the synagogue was the person who was in charge of the daily scripture readings at the synagogue. And it was up to the ruler of that synagogue, Jairus, to select men from the community who would read and teach from the scriptures. And I have no doubt that here near Capernaum, Jesus often went to this synagogue and Jairus often asked Jesus, would you come and teach today's scripture reading? And so Jairus knew Jesus. The whole synagogue did. The whole community did. And Jesus knew Jairus. And I believe he knew his wife, and he also knew his daughter. And Jairus would hear the wonderful words of the Lord, preaching like nobody else has ever preached from the Scriptures, hearing the authority and the power of his teachings. And of course, Jairus had also seen for himself and also heard that not only was Jesus a great preacher, but he was also a healer of all people. And I'm sure maybe even in Jairus' synagogue, Jesus healed and cleansed and delivered many people. We know his name. We know what he does for a living. And we also learn right here, he's a father. A father who is overwhelmed because his daughter is at the point of death. And in the story, as he runs to Jesus and falls before him, and he's begging him earnestly, please, Lord, come, you can hear the desperation in his voice. Of course, he's overwhelmed. Any of you who's a parent today that knows what it's like to have a sick child at home or in the hospital, you know what it feels like to be Jairus. 
You know what it feels like when perhaps your little son or your daughter, they have a, a fever. And sometimes you can give medicine and praise God, the medicine works and the fever comes down. But what happens when the fever refuses to come down and it gets worse? When your son or daughter are sick and you think there are some home remedies that we can do and just give it a week and you should be fine after that, but what if they don't get any better and they get worse and you have to bring them to the hospital? We as parents know what it's like to be overwhelmed. And not just parents, but I'm sure all of you in your life, you have experienced being overwhelmed. Jairus knew what to do when he's overwhelmed. Go and tell Jesus all about it. He says to Jesus, my little daughter is at the point of death. Now we learn in the story, as you'll see later, this daughter is 12 years old. So she's not exactly a small child as he's describing her. She's 12 years old. She's almost a teenager. But in Jairus' eyes, this is probably his only daughter. And in his eyes, this is his precious daughter, the one he adores and cherishes. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Jairus is alive today, if he would say, it's daddy's little girl. Maybe some of you have called your own kids those kinds of things before. It's not that she was a little daughter. She's almost a teenager, but in his eyes, it's his little girl. And he loves her so much, and he'll do anything for her. Jairus believed that though she was very sick, so severe that she is at the point of death, Jairus believes that if Jesus comes and lays his hands upon his little girl, she will be made well. She will be healed. She will live. So all Jairus knows, if Jesus, if I can get you from here to my home, the end result will be my daughter shall live. And so Jesus went with Jairus. Yes, Jairus is overwhelmed, but at least Jesus is coming. And I can imagine now Jairus leading the way, pushing through the people and pushing people aside and looking behind them and making sure that Jesus is, is keeping in step with him. Maybe under his breath, Jairus is saying, hold on, daughter. Hold on, my daughter. Jesus is coming. Hold on. We're coming. And Jairus just thinks, all I got to do is just get through this multitude of people. He's overwhelmed. Number two, we call this section overshadowed. Overshadowed. Then in Mark 5, verse 25, we suddenly have what seems to be a turn in the story. It says, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Now I'm sure you all know this story. This woman has had a bleeding problem for 12 long years. And she has heard all about Jesus, and she knows that he's coming, he's walking through, and so this woman in great faith, she finds a way to get herself through the people, and all she's thinking to herself is, if I can come from behind Jesus and just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. And this woman does exactly that. I can picture her almost on her hands and knees, reaching down to touch his garment, and immediately, Mark says, she was healed. Immediately. She knew what had happened. And so did Jesus. Mark says Jesus stopped. 
And he said, who just touched me? And the disciples said, what are you talking about? Who just touched you? You see these thousands of people? Everybody's touching you. What do you mean, who just touched me? But Jesus knew there was a touch of faith and someone has just been healed. He knew exactly who it was. He knew her. He knew her name. He knew all that she had been through. But he wanted to call her out to minister into her life. And so finally, trembling and shaking, she came to the Lord and said, it was me. It was I who touched you. And she told him the whole truth, Mark says. And I can just imagine the smile on Jesus' faith. Jesus' face, looking at such great faith in this woman, and he says to her in verse 34, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Wow. Daughter. Yes, daughter. And at this point, Jairus is thinking, yeah, what about my daughter? What about my daughter? We have to hurry. We can't stop here. We have no time for this. We must get going. Now, in our reading today, you may be tempted, if you've ever opened up this portion of Scripture and you start at verse 21, you might be tempted to just sort of forget all about Jairus because the healing of this woman, the way that it all happened and the beauty of it all, and then Jesus calls her daughter, and says that your faith has made you well, go in peace. Many times we close our Bibles right there and we say, wow, God, you are so good. And he is. But what about Jairus' daughter? We're quick to forget about his daughter. We might stop the story here as though the woman's need has overshadowed the need of Jairus' daughter. And sometimes we might forget the story continues. But I can tell you this, Jesus did not forget. Jesus was not sort of taken out of the way and on to something else. No, Jesus did not forget. There is a little girl at the point of death. He never forgets. Mark says in verse 35, Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. And while he was still speaking to the woman, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Your daughter is dead. Imagine what it is to be Jairus now. Imagine what must be going through his mind. Questions and pictures. Questions like, why of all days did this woman have to come now and seek Jesus' help? Why did Jesus have to stop to help this woman? Why is this woman more important than my daughter? Why of all days is this crowd around Jesus slowing us down, not, not allowing us to go home? Why is Jesus more concerned about this diseased woman when my own daughter is dying at home and now she's dead. And all the pictures in his mind, he's picturing his wife at home who's broken, broken with tears and weeping, crying. He's also picturing the fact that joy has just been sapped out of his household. No more joy in his home. 
And you can also picture all that dinner table where they often eat. From now on, there's going to be one empty chair at their dinner table. And with all these pictures and all these questions and thoughts in his mind, now faith begins to fade, as it does with you and me many times. Jesus just preached about faith. Jesus just said to this woman, probably speaking also to Jairus, daughter, your faith has made you well. Jesus just preached about faith itself. But when we are afraid, as we've discussed this before, when we are afraid, when all we can think about and see is hopelessness, oh, how quickly we forget the word that Jesus has spoken. Your daughter is dead, they told him. So blunt, so final. Your daughter is dead. And then they said something that I believe they made two big mistakes in the question that they ask. Look what they say. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? When I read that question, I see two big mistakes that people are making in what they're saying. One mistake is in the word trouble. The other mistake is in the word teacher. Why trouble the teacher? As though we can bother Jesus. As though Jesus can be too busy to hear your needs and your cries. As though Jesus gets tired of your weepings, tired of your longings, tired of you groaning and weeping and sobbing, tired of your questions, tired of your knocking at the door. As though we can bother Jesus and trouble him? Never. Never. You can never trouble Jesus. In fact, Jesus will always say, come and tell me about it. Come to the throne of grace and tell me all about it. You are never a bother to Jesus. You are never a trouble for him. There's nothing that he's not willing to hear. They made a mistake thinking that this was all a trouble to Jesus. The other mistake was teacher. Why trouble the teacher? Ugh, is that all you know about Jesus, that he's a teacher? Don't you know he is so much more than that? Just like when Nicodemus came to Jesus one time and he said, now we know that you're a good teacher. And then Jesus went on to describe to him the fact that he is actually the son of the living God. He's not just a teacher, not just a rabbi. He is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth. That is who Jesus is. Today, if you only know him as a good teacher, you will be lost. You will be lost in your sins. You'll be lost in hopelessness. You'll be lost in this world. We must come to a saving knowledge of who Jesus is, the Lord of glory itself, God the Son, who died, who rose again, who lives forevermore. That's who Jesus is. If your picture of Jesus is any less than that, not good enough. You cannot trouble him, and he's not just a teacher. But aren't they right in what they said? Your daughter is dead. That part was true. 
And perhaps he's thinking as they all do, if Jesus got there earlier, then something could be done. Because of course, something can be done when a person is alive, but if the person is dead, that's it. It's over. It's finished. Who can do anything about death? And Jairus, of course, he knew the scriptures. He not, he not only scheduled people to come teach them, he knew them himself. And he knew those old stories, those old Bible stories, like when Elijah spoke into a young boy's life who was dead, and God raised that boy to life. Yeah, but that was the old days. Nobody does that anymore. And of course, there was Elisha. Elisha went to that young boy, the, the widow's son, and he, he sort of laid himself on top of this dead child, prayed, and the boy's body became warm and he became alive again. Yeah, but that was back then. This is now. Nobody does that kind of thing anymore. We don't see people rising from the dead anymore. You also remember that when Elisha was buried, when he, when he died and he was buried, they brought a dead man's body also to be buried. That body fell on top of Elisha's bones and the dead body rose and became a living man once again. Jairus knew those stories. But even in Jairus' day, those were Bible days. That's what God did back then. Those kinds of things don't happen today. Jairus would think. Oh, but you can almost hear in Jesus' voice when he says, it says, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to Jairus, do not be afraid. Only believe. Do not be afraid, Jairus. Even in the face of death, only believe. It's as though Jesus was saying, Jairus, there is one here who is greater than Elijah. There's one in your midst who is greater than Elisha. Look at me, Jairus. Look at me and hear what I say. Only believe. Do not be afraid. Just believe. That same faith that brought you to me in the first place, continue in that faith. Keep looking at me and believe. And so we see in this section, it wasn't the woman who overshadowed the little girl. It's Jesus who overshadows them all. As the Bible says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And Jairus and this woman and Jairus' family found themselves under the shadow of Almighty God, Jesus Christ. Amen. The third section we call overruled. Verse 37, and he permitted, Jesus permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, who was the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. When Jesus arrived at the house, it was quite chaotic. There were wails, weeping, music, cries, agony. And it wasn't necessarily because these people were upset that the little girl died. You see, back in Jairus' day, it was custom that at a funeral, 
you have ministers come from the synagogue, come to your home, and they are professional mourners. Even if they don't know the person who died, they come as professional mourners. And they cry, and they wail, they weep, they call out, and they play music. Now to us today, that might seem an odd thing, but in Jairus' day, that was custom. And they believed it helped the grieving family also release the burdens of grief in their own life. Jesus comes and he says, why are you making all this commotion? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Now, what did he mean by that? Because she was, in fact, dead. And Jesus knew that. But why say it like this? I believe, as I read it, it's because as death is final, Jesus knows what he's about to do for this girl, that he's going to wake her up as though she's just simply sleeping. When you're dead, you're dead. But when you're sleeping, someone can come and wake you up. That's what Jesus is talking about. He said the same thing when Lazarus died. At one point, Lazarus had been dead for four days. Jesus said very plainly, Lazarus is dead. But he also said, our friend Lazarus sleeps, and I go to wake him up. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And Jesus is about to overrule death itself. In verse 40, when they heard him say these things, that he was going to wake her up, it says, and they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him, Peter, James, and John, and entered where the child was lying. It's amazing to me that these people, however many there were, these people who are supposed to be ministers of God are the very ones who ridicule Jesus. In their disbelief, they ridicule him and they mock him for saying that he would wake this girl up. That amazes me. It says they ridiculed Jesus. And that word ridicule, it means to mock, to laugh, to make fun of. The same kind of language is used like in Psalm 22 when it talks about Jesus being crucified and all the people there, they laugh at him. They mock him. There are people in the world still today that ridicule the Son of God. They mock him to his face. They mock him in their unbelief. They mock him in their utter rejection of Jesus Christ. They mock him in their sin and their love of sin. People still today, they mock him. But people who mock him today, one day they will face him in judgment. They laugh at his word today, but yet in a day to come, as Jesus taught, all the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and they will rise. And Jesus says when they rise, some will rise to glory and eternity, and others will rise to outer darkness. And you can see the picture of that right here in this verse. You see, those who were mocked, those who mocked Jesus, rather, and ridiculed him, what did he do with them? He put them outside. The same word used for casting out demons. 
The same word used by Jesus when he said that they will be cast out into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's talking about hell. And here in this verse, those who mock him and ridicule him and reject and laugh at him, they will be cast out into outer darkness. But those who believe, they are welcomed in. They are welcomed in to see the glory of Jesus, to see his working and to experience the life of Christ. This is the distinction that God still makes today. There will be those who are cast out and those who are welcomed in. Jesus overruled death. And in many ways, he overruled their mockings and their disbelief. How so? Well, it comes at the end of the story now. Last section, number four, overcome. Overcome. Verse 41, Jesus took the child by the hand and he said to her, Talitha kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Now remember, Peter is telling all of this to Mark. Peter was there. He remembers every detail about the story. And I can imagine Peter closing his eyes because he can still see it all happening. He said, Mark, I'm telling you, Jesus, he just walked up to this dead girl who was lying on the bed and he reached down and took her by the hand, her cold, lifeless hand. It reminds me of many mornings when I get up early and then I go to wake up my two younger daughters from their sleep. Sometimes when I'm calling their name, telling them it's time to get up, every once in a while, one of them will just simply, with their eyes closed, just hold up their hand. And when I see their hand go up, it means for me to take their hand and help them up out of bed. And sometimes I do it real forcefully to have fun with them. But this little girl, she can't reach up her hand. She's dead. No life within her. It's Jesus who reaches down to her and takes a hold of her lifeless hand. And Peter, with his eyes closed, he's saying to Mark, he walked into the room, he took the child by her hand, and then he, he said, and I picture Peter pausing for a moment, and Mark saying, yes, Peter, what? He walked in, he took her by her hand, and said what? And then Peter opens his eyes and simply says, Talitha kumi. I can still hear his voice. I still remember how it was said. Talitha kumi. You see, that comes from a language of Aramaic. It's the language that Jesus spoke as an everyday language. It was a language that he spoke to this little girl. Of course, Mark wrote his gospel in the language of Greek. But Peter wanted to make sure that Mark and all of us can picture what just happened. He brings us into that room with him to watch Jesus taking a dead girl by the hand and hearing him say those words, Dalitha kumi. Peter says, I can still hear it now. What does that mean, Peter? It simply means, little girl, arise. That's it. That's all he said. He touched her and said, little girl, arise. And it ends with immediately, the girl rose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome 
with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given her to eat. Oh, imagine to be Peter. Peter had never seen anything like this and he remembered it so well. That little girl got up. This wasn't a gradual healing. This wasn't, oh, she's getting better and better as days go. No, it was instantly, in a moment, at the blink of an eye, she was dead and brought to life. So much life that she jumped up to her feet and started running and walking all over the room, hugging her parents, and I'm sure a big hug for Jesus himself. And when I read this story, I don't know if you noticed this, but I can't help but see those words, 12 years. That woman that was healed of her infirmity, she suffered for 12 years. While Jairus is celebrating his daughter for 12 years of such joyful living, at the end of 12 years, this woman was healed. At the end of 12 years, his daughter died. 12 years old, Mark now tells us this girl was. And I also remember a story when the Bible says Jesus was 12 years old. It's when his parents lost him. And when they finally found him, he was in Jerusalem teaching the scribes about the scriptures. And Mary said, son, where have you been? We've been worried about you. And he said, at 12 years old, why were you worried? Why were you seeking me? Didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? I can tell you in this story, it was the father's business that a woman who had suffered for 12 years be healed, and Jesus accomplished it. It was the father's business. God the Father, it was his business that a little 12-year-old girl would rise from the dead, and Jesus accomplished it. And I can tell you still today, it is the Father's business to save and to set free the captives of sin. And Jesus goes about accomplishing God's business. It is God's business. The Bible says the Father is the one who draws you to Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, all that the Father draws will come to me. And when they come, I will not cast them out, but I will raise them up. And the Bible says that though you were dead in your trespasses and sins, God has made you alive in Jesus Christ. It is the Father's business today to still raise the dead. Maybe not in the way that we saw in this girl, but I'm talking about being born again, being saved by Jesus Christ, having the Holy Spirit dwelling in your heart, and being a child of God. It is the Father's business to save you, and praise God, Jesus still accomplishes salvation. Amen. And then Jesus ends it as sweet and loving as he is. He says, now Jairus, give your daughter something to eat. Because Jairus, there will be no empty chair at that table today. Praise the Lord. And as the day would turn into months and the months into years, a family of three would sit at that table and they would together recall that day when Jesus came into their home and into their lives. And there where two or three would be gathered, he would always be there. 
present with them in their midst forever and ever. Amen. Praise God. Musicians, if I can invite you here to the front. Can you imagine this little girl going back to school or going back to children's church at the synagogue that she was a part of, her father's synagogue? And can you imagine all the other kids, all of her friends coming to her and saying, uh, what happened? We were told that you died. What happened? Tell us all about it. What would she say? What would she tell all of her friends? I think she said it like this. I was dead, and all I know is that wherever I was, I heard a beautiful voice speak to me, and he simply said, Talitha Kumi. And all I know is when I heard that voice, I opened my eyes, and I saw the one who spoke those words. His name is Jesus. And I got up, and I began to walk with new life that he gave to me. And my friends, I'm still walking today in the same brand new life. Amen.